and welcome to another episode of Blue Collar Real Estate. I'm Greg Mayo. And I am Ryan Herget. What is going on, Greg? It's been a good week, and uh, one more time, you're in the studio, and I am not. I apologize. No, you are not in studio, Jay, today. You're a fact in studio car in California somewhere. I am in sitting in my car, sweating pretty decent amount right now, but looking at the beach in my rear view mirror, ready to go back to the beach. So it's been good, but no, it's been a fun trip. I'm excited out here because Greg, as we talked about last week on the podcast, we've done so much work as far as helping our other customers, you know, from a real estate standpoint with construction here, here recently that this week I wanted to take some time, not only come out and visit my wife, but also learn more about solar, which is today's topic is ways that you can increase the energy efficiency of your home, save some money. So Greg, I'm excited to talk about that because I've got a lot of fresh stuff uh, right off the top of my mind. It's been a good, I, good trip so far. And I can't wait to dig into all of it. You and I haven't talked much about what you've been experiencing and finding out about out there. Um, but before we get to the solar part, which we're going to kind of talk about and tease a bit at the end, let's just start with electricity in general, because we have some ways we can save money in the home, right? Um, oh, so many little ways too. I mean, very inexpensive ways that when you do enough of them, the compound effect of that is you save a pretty decent amount of money every single month. So let's kind of dive right into that if you don't mind, Greg. Hey, you know what? Before we dig into all that, I want to thank our sponsor, Stacy Mayo, the Scott Miller team at Ruoff Mortgage. They do a great job for us and our clients. And I tell you what, Ryan, through all this COVID stuff and all the lockdowns and the craziness that's going on in our market, they are killing it every single day. Oh man, they're out there working their tails off. I know talking to Stacy, it's 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 not slowed down much, even if at all, on that side of things, because there's so many refinances going on. Interest rates are still amazingly low. I think I saw on Scott's uh, rate sheet he sent out the other day that you know you can still, and again, as of the this recording, it's middle of May 2020 right now, but you can get a 30 year fixed rate at 3.25 percent and a 15 year rate. At like 2.75 it's insane right now so there's so many people that they can help so definitely wanted to give a shout out to them as well and as we start talking about electricity i just want to say what a bright group of people they are over there at ruoff um but so beyond that <laughs> see what you did there that was good i couldn't help myself <laughs> so electricity I, I before we get too deep into the solar and that kind of thing which we're going to tease toward the end but i want to talk about where it comes from particularly in this country because i don't think a lot of people understand now, in order, the three biggest sources for electric energy in this country are coal, burning coal, burning natural gas, and then nuclear, which is yep. burning everything. Um, each one of them has a, their own set of problems, right? Coal's fairly cheap. Nuclear, you have that whole toxic waste thing when you're done, um, mm -hmm. and stuff like Chernobyl. But Details. But yeah, I, so they all have their problems, they all have their issues, and, and there are things we can do to use less of those fossil fuels and nuclear energy. Um, upgrades and updates we can do to the home that'll save us money and be more green friendly, am I right? Absolutely, so let's kind of take a look at some of the more inexpensive things that people can do throughout their entire home that, you know, again, the net effect of doing enough of these small things is you truly save a pretty good amount of money every single month. And, you know, that really starts with the light bulbs in your house. I know that, the, you know, just as anything, technology has evolved so dramatically, especially when it comes to the different types of light bulbs. So, Greg, let's kind of talk about, you know, the two or three different types of options that, you know, people have when they're out there looking, because there's certainly different types of light it gives off. But more importantly, from an energy effectiveness standpoint, you know, what's the difference in the different types of light bulbs that people can purchase their own? Yeah, so let's just take it in historical order. Uh, on the screen here, and if, if you're not watching on YouTube, just jump on over there and check it out. 
What we see pictured are, are reproductions of, of monofilament light bulbs, right? This was the first kind of light bulb we had. It literally heated up these filaments, these wires inside, and those wires produced light. The problem with those is they produce more heat than light. So you're wasting a lot of energy heating your light bulb, right? Yep. Um, they're grossly inefficient, and but they were the standard for a long, long time, almost 100 years. Yep. Then we came out with CFLs. Now, what's CFL stand for, Greg? Because a lot of people may have heard of, you know, the fluorescent lights, et cetera, but what's the CFL actually stand for? So the CFL picture, it's a compact fluorescent, right? You see the fluorescent in the spiral, if you will. Everybody remembers what my little brother calls the lunch lady lights, you know, the two-foot <laughs> office lights that were the long tubes. I don't know what I'm doing this for. Um, but they took that technology and shrunk it down into this. And it basically, the electricity charges the particles. They go around really fast, back and forth. Problem with these lights is, and they do last longer and they use less energy than filament bulbs, but the problem is they contain mercury. Uh, I didn't even know that. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And so they have to be disposed of in a certain way, right? You can't just throw them into the landfill. Got it. So what's the next option that people can purchase? Because I know those, and you know, again, for those listening right now, you know, what Greg's talking about, he mentioned the spiral look, but it's almost the light bulbs. It almost looked like a spring, you know, where, you know, it looks like a little, you know, little spring and, and, you know, they really give off, like Greg said, the lunch lady, you know, light. It's that really bright white light that, you know, some people appreciate, but certainly not everybody does in their home. Yeah, no, it's not really a mood light for sure. Um, so, well, that's, that's more eloquently said than I just did there, Greg. It is a mood light, just the wrong mood. Um, right. It's like interrogation so, mood. It, it, I was going to say the same. I, I picture right, sitting so, somewhere in the gulag and having somebody go, come, you talk to me. Um, <laughs> you give me keys. I take car. Anyway. That's a callback from another episode. Oh, I know. That was definitely, I think that was episode three where that story came out. <laughs> so the newest technology and the one that's, that's really the best option is LED. Okay. Which stands for what, Greg? Light emitting diode. So, Got it. And this is a similar looking one. Again, for those people not watching on YouTube, but listening on, on, uh, on Spotify or iTunes, whatever you're listening on right now, this is that very modern looking light bulb. Sorry to interrupt you, Greg. Yeah, it, it is, but it's the same shape as you know, an old fashioned light bulb, right? Mm -hmm. Which is one of the things they did well. You can get them in, in a blue light. You can get them in a, a more of a sunlight, daylight kind of coloring. You can do a lot of different things with them. The coolest thing about them is number one, they use a fraction of the energy of a filament bulb. Number two, one bulb can last up to 20 years in a fixture in your home. Which is so awesome. I mean, you don't have to go up and, you know, literally replace lights, especially the high ones. You know, if you put these in, and I know most new home builders, especially here in the Indianapolis area, are now going to putting these in their homes as standard feature now. So it's super, super cool that, you know, a lot of builders are really, you know, adapting to this, you know, technology as well and really working to, you know, produce as green a home as possible. It's, it's pretty cool. And like, like you just said, Greg, you don't have to replace them every three months, six months, whatever it may be. No, and, and we moved into our house seven years ago. And every fixture I put an LED bulb in when we moved in, mm -hmm. it still works and it still has the same bulb in it. That's cool. That's fantastic. That's, cool. <laughs> That's actually a really cool story. And again, small things, you know, Greg, you can probably expect to pay, you know, an extra $2 a light bulb here, you know, for one of these versus the older, you know, style of lights. But, you know, again, when you look at how many lights are actually in your house, how often those things are on, 
you know, the compound effect of using this type of technology over the older ones, even though it might cost a couple dollars more up front, is a huge amount of savings and time as you're, you know, staying in your home. So let's let's dive into the next one, Greg. Beyond light bulbs, what are a couple other small items that people can do, you know, things that they can pick up at their local home, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot or something like that that can make, you know, pretty big impacts, you know, to the energy efficiency of their home? Well, one thing we talked about, you and I talked about earlier. So I, I know it's hard for people to believe, but there were some production builders in the 90s, early 2000s that maybe weren't as quality forward thinking, shall we say? Or maybe is concerned about energy efficiency or is concerned about building quality, perhaps. <laughs> but Not to mention 100-year-old homes where insulation wasn't a huge thing, right? So what we have pictured here, and you can go get these in any home center. You get them in like 10 packs. It's a foam gasket that goes behind your outlet cover. Okay, so if you live in a home that was built prior to like 2012 and you're listening to this right now, I want you to like walk over to an exterior wall in your house. Okay, and put your hand there, you know, specifically in, a, in the colder months, put your hand there and you will literally feel cold air blowing through your outlets. And that's all this piece is. You can get them for like 90 cents a piece if that, or, you know, you know, probably less. And it's just a foam gasket that you take the outlet switch plate cover off. You put these behind it and it's just like a rubber gasket that sits in behind there and they actually work. I went through and did this on the house that I just purchased a few months ago. And uh, again, it's, it's $10. You do your entire house. And it has a huge, huge long-term benefit. So, so again, and, and it, just to reiterate, we're talking about small things you can do many times yourself that make a big impact over time. I love that. Um, let's talk about appliances. Oh, my gosh. This is huge. And I've got a quick funny story on this on this real quick. But I was in a house. This is last spring. So spring 2019. And, and, you know, the, the buyer that I was helping, she was a registered nurse and her husband was an electrical engineer. And so they're very analytically minded people and they ordered every single type of inspection you could. In addition, it it was a house that had the old power cables literally running through the backyard. Right. Well, there's, I'd never seen this before, but he brings this, um, like radiation emitting testing tool thing. It was Mm -hmm. really, really cool, but there was more radiation coming from the old, old dish, I'm, I'm sorry, not dishwasher, but stove in this house because of all the old wiring and stuff. Now, this thing had to have been straight out of 1960. I mean, it was like <laughs> the old yellow. I mean, it was just old. But when he puts this up there, this thing's emitting, and, and, and it might not be radioactivity, but it was it was emitting some form of electromagnetic charge that could potentially be neg- you know, you know, detrimental to your health. And this old, old appliance was worse than everything else in the house. So just a small thing, and not to mention that thing was probably not the most energy efficient at all. <laughs> oh, I would think not. And if you look, when you go to buy, buy appliances, and we're talking washer, dryer, oven, microwave, dishwasher, refrigerator, right? Your major appliances. Yep. You look for this sticker up on the screen. It's Energy Star rated. Now, basically, each appliance can save up to 25% in energy cost over a, an appliance that's not Energy Star rated. Again, that's huge over time and across all your major appliances. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're, you know, type of family that uses, you know, you know, you're cooking a lot, you know, this is only going to compound those benefits over time, as Greg, Greg said. So, so appliances are absolutely a huge, huge area. Obviously, it's, it's not the most cost effective way to, you know, save energy in your house, but it's also a very effective way to save energy and, and you know, perhaps a little bit bigger, you know, hits than just changing the light bulb. So now the... Go ahead, Greg. Sorry. I was going to say, and just another small note, and actually my 18-year-old reminded me of this when I was putting together show notes, um, countertop appliances. 
toaster, oh toaster gosh, oven, yes. coffee pot. If you're not using it, unplug it because they st- they suck energy all the time. Yeah, anything that's plugged in, even if it's turned off, is still using energy in very small, you know, small dosages. But again, if you think about it, you've got three or four TVs in your house, you've got four or five, you know, countertop appliances there, you know, coffee maker or whatever else, toaster, and that stuff never gets unplugged. Again, you're still using energy for every single thing that's plugged in all of the time. Yep. So just being conscientious about that is again a very, you know, very effective way that you could potentially save, you know, several dollars a month. So what's what's the next big one we're going to talk about here? Well, Greg, since I don't have my show notes up right now, and you are, uh, <laughs> let me ask you that question. <laughs> Just guess. Make something up. I don't care. Oh, uh, well, let's go ahead and dive into another topic that I'm excited about. Let's let, let's talk about some different ways that you can save, save energy and actually maybe even uh, – you know, pro- there it is. You just gave me the cheat sheet right on the screen there. Programmable thermostat. That's not where I was going to go because I <laughs> didn't have my, my notes up in front of me. But this is huge. This is huge. Programmable ther- thermostats, not only looking super cool in your house, what else are they going to do, Greg? Well, here's the thing. And l- let me just make a distinction here. We have programmable thermostats. What we have pictured are largely smart thermostats. Programmable thermostats we've had for quite a while. And you set a time uh, and a time and a day and where the temperature is going to be up or down. And it will save you energy. But a smart thermostat, that's the newest thing. A smart thermostat will learn your behaviors. It will learn where you set the temperature. It, it has sensors to know when people are coming and going. If nobody's in the house, it'll knock the temperature down a little bit. Um, it, it, the heat or knock the cooling up to 74 or whatever. So it learns your behavior, thus being a smart thermostat. And over time, you'll use less and less energy. And these things have cool apps with them, like you can put on your tablet or your phone, and it'll graph per month, per week, whatever, and show you the savings you're getting by using that kind of thermostat. They're a couple hundred bucks, maybe 300. Um, You can install them yourself. You can have an HVAC contractor do them, but well worth the money because again, the savings over time is absolutely freaking huge. So, Greg, speaking of the HVAC system, there's also many other ways that people, you know, perhaps, you know, we've both been in the real estate business a long time now, used to be a home inspector. How many times when you're looking at the HVAC system, did you find a dirty furnace filter? Oh, all the time. All the time. Which is one of the most, most simple things that you can do in a house to make sure that your system is you know, operating efficiently. And if you're looking at this on YouTube right now, or e- even if you're not, when you get parked or however you're listening to this, Google furnace filter, and you will find oodles of pictures of just disgusting, nasty, nasty furnace filters. And that's the stuff that the, every bit of air that's circulating throughout your house, when you turn your furnace on, your AC on, it's passing past this filter. And you know, there's so many people that, you know, you know, struggle with allergens now that all you have to do sometimes is change your furnace filter once a month and you're constantly breathing fresh air versus breathing dirty air. Not to mention, it also makes your furnace work 10 times harder because it's having to pull that air through something that's basically clogged, right? Exactly. And look, you know, as well as I do, there are as many kinds of furnace filters out there on the market as there are people on the planet. I mean, they're every, they're all different kinds. Yep. At the end of the day, the kind we had pictured, they run, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think that one's probably $4 for the size that's in my house. It's a cheap solution. The first day of every month, I change it. That way I don't forget. 
it's super simple to do. And, you know, you know, companies like Amazon make this easy now because you don't have to go buy just one. You can buy a box of, you know, 12 of them, change one every single month and you're done. You just set it right there by your furnace and you just pop a new one in every month. As you mentioned, it's 12 to maybe $15. Now you can certainly spend more on them, but, you know, that may or may not be necessary. Talk to your HVAC, you know, pro about that, that ultimately changing the filter is 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 going to you know dramatically help the airflow which is going to going to increase the energy efficiency not to, not to mention help your health <laughs> and speaking of hvac pro how many times have you had a client as a buyer do a home inspection and it comes back that the hvac system hasn't been serviced in 10 or 12 years oh my this is probably next to crack thermal seals probably the most common thing that I see on inspections right now is dirty HVAC systems. And again, you know, this is one of the top, probably top four most expensive things in your house. You know, the moving components of your house, your furnace and air conditioner, right? The whole system, you know, they range anywhere between 5,000 up to 12, $15,000 to replace these things. And they're just like a car. They need the oil change. Now you can buy the best car in the world, but if you don't change the oil every, you know, three to 10,000 miles, whatever they say, it's not going to last as long and your furnace is the exact same way. So small, small thing, $4 a month to $10 a month. And you're going to keep that system running much, much longer. And plus, you know, on top of that, you only have to have it serviced once a year versus having to have it, you know, you know, major you know, overhaul on it every three to five years because you're not maintaining it. I'll get off my uh, high horse now. Sorry. So funny story <laughs> about that. When I was a home inspector, I got called out to do a pre-listing inspection on a house somewhere. We'll just say. So I get out there, the people that live there had owned the house for like 27 years, and I'm doing the pre-listing inspection. I get to the furnace, and there's the service sticker on there that shows last time a technician was out, what they did, yada, 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 right? The last time a technician had been out was the date of install, which was 23 years ago. Wow. So it was probably looking pretty fresh. Yeah. No, it was awesome. So, <laughs> And it was gas. So I popped the cover off. The burner tubes were just filthy. Um I'm really surprised it didn't just explode. And I said to the lady, I'm like, have you not had anybody out to service this at all? And she said, no, it still runs. <laughs> She's not wrong. <clears throat> she um, was not wrong. They just unfortunately do not provide an owner's manual with houses sometimes. So that is, uh, that's what we frequently see. So beyond the HVAC system, the next thing we need to do is one of my favorite words, circumambulate your house. I, I use that word most of the time when I'm having conversations <laughs> with people about real estate. <laughs> Which just means to walk so, around the house in a counterclockwise fashion. But And so, Greg, when people are walking around their house beyond just trying to get some steps in so they feel better about uh, looking at their phone at the end of the day, what are some other things that they may be potentially looking for from an energy efficiency standpoint? Because I know there's a couple small things that can, you know, again, be a pretty big difference. One of the biggest things I see is wall penetrations for like wires, like we have here in the picture. Yeah. That's yep. a giant hole. Now, not, not only are you opening your home up to vermin crawling in there and birds making nests and snakes and whatever other manner of critter, you're also losing a lot of energy through that hole, right? No doubt. No and, doubt. Especially, you know, if your home's built, you know, uh, as a vinyl home, perhaps, you know, where there's not a lot of, uh, you know, air resistance material, perhaps, you know, behind the wall there. So it's, uh, you know, it, it definitely can create major problems. And again, those, those areas where you feel, you know, just air coming through your house, literally. So go ahead. So, Greg, so walk around and find those areas, get a can of spray foam. Uh, it's fairly inexpensive, 10 or 12 bucks a can 
and fill those holes. That's the yep. first thing. The other thing, and, and we don't have a picture of this, but um, look for cracks in the caulking around windows and doors. Look at the weather and, stripping on doors. Greg, how often should people have to you know take care of caulking? You know, again, when we're navigating through inspections, you know, general home maintenance sometimes varies widely in homes that we are you know helping people purchase and you know things like caulking or just you know interior exterior just general maintenance is that like a every year thing is that an every three-year thing what's your experience tell you about things like that that's an every six month thing got it got it so that's something you really need to be on top of as your home goes through each season yeah i spring and fall right you need to get in your attic you need to get in your crawl space if you have one you need to walk around, look at the window seals. You need to check your door seals. Like you said, something as simple as when it's cold out, putting your hand in front of the window. Do you feel yep. air blown in the side? Can you see daylight through your front door when it's shut? Um, things like that. And I, I love this because right now is the time of the year that I have to get my crawl space. And I absolutely hate crawl spaces. I'm but also I not a it. fan of crawl spaces. <laughs> but but you're, you're absolutely right, Greg, because if you don't do this, I, I can probably give you 10 names that I've helped the people in the last year where we have had major crawl space issues. And when I say major, we've talked about this on previous episodes. I mean, crawl spaces that get neglected, now we're talking $5,000 up to $20,000 to have repairs done because as crawl spaces get neglected, moisture you know, you know, collects down there, leads to problems like mold, rotted out sill plates, moisture down there, sump pump problems. I mean, just you name it. This, you know, these are things that if left unchecked, add up very, very quickly and create multiple other problems. And not to mention, you know, the crawl space is another way that you can, you know, insulate, and, you know, protect that, that part of your house. So go ahead, Greg. Sorry. I didn't mean to get off on a tangent, but no, dude, I love it. Been, You're on uh, fire today. Oh man. Crawl spaces that I've spent a lot of time talking to uh crawl space contractors in the last six months, especially. So. And I'll, <laughs> so I'll anyway. tell you a little secret for everybody listening out there. The reason crawl space contractors charge so much is because nobody wants to do it. Oh my gosh. I mean, Greg, you just mentioned it. I mean, when was, who wants to get down in a crawl space where I've talked to these guys, they have to suit up because it's oftentimes wet down there. Lord only knows if, is there snakes? Is there rats? Is there, is it, I mean, they're not the sexiest of places to go hang out and spend your time. So yeah, it's, these guys are charging a premium because it's not the most enjoyable job of all time. Not to mention it's hard when you've only got, you know, sometimes only 18 inches of clearance to be, you know, jacking the house up switching out a sill plate doing all this it's not the most you know friendly environment to work in no and just to get in there look i'm six foot tall and 190 pounds it is not easy for me to shimmy into that crawl space and the older i get the harder it gets but so let's go from under the house let's jump up into the attic okay oh is that beautiful oh my gosh look at that like majestic snowfall there up in the attic (laughs) it really is and and for those of you that are not again watching on youtube what we've got on the screen right now this is blown in fiberglass insulation so you know any house that was built prior to 2012 again i i keep bringing up 2012 because that's when so many of the energy codes changed for the better okay and so in 2012 you you went from being able to put in you know five to six inches of insulation in an attic you know you know, that was code at the time to, to now you have to have at least 12 to 13 inches of insulation, which comes out to be R38 insulation, you know, up in the attic. And if you think about this, this is something that, you know, I, you know, I really appreciate because while windows are a great way to save money on heating and cooling costs, in addition to everything else that we've talked about, this is one of the easiest ways to save a dramatic amount of money in your house because you lose 40% 
again, 40% of all your conditioned air you lose through your attic space. Yep. And by blowing in more insulation in your attic, you're creating a barrier of resistance to keep that air that you're cooling and heating, the air that you paid for, right, in the house. So that way you're just not losing it through your attic. And that can also create other problems, which we'll dive into in another episode if you don't have enough insulation. But more importantly, you can do, you know, this is something you can do yourself. You can get up there. You can watch a couple of YouTube videos. You can go rent a machine. Oftentimes the machine is free. I know yep. Owens Corning has a really cool machine. You can go to Lowe's or any of the stores, buy enough bags of insulation, which are like 25 to 30 bucks a bag. And it covers around a hundred square foot. You can get the machine and go do this yourself in an afternoon. And again, you can realize immediate savings on your whole, on on your heating and cooling bills so it's a huge huge benefit i've got one last story sorry i'm a little passionate about attic insulation <laughs> <laughs> but i had a, a, a property i bought this is back in 2011 and it was about a 1400 square foot ranch home that i was redoing i was going to live there for about a year and in this home you know again it had you know, maybe six six inches of insulation and when i bought this home to redo it a, there was, you know, I think my first couple months that I was in this from November to December, the energy bill was around 178, I think it's like 170, mid 170s or so. Long story short, I put put more more insulation in the attic, actually blew up to R60, so it was almost two feet of wow. insulation. The very next month, which is one of the coldest months of January, my energy bill went down to like 110 bucks. Wow. Okay? So, so an afternoon of time, and I started immediately saving almost 60 bucks a month. That's incredible. And it, cost, and it cost me like 1500 bucks to do this in probably four hours of time and immediately started saving 60 bucks a month. So true story right there. I mean, I, I'm such a believer in this because I've experienced it firsthand myself. So Now, if we can back up to that picture again. So like you said, Ryan, that's fiberglass insulation blown in. Um, sometimes it's pink, the fiberglass. There's also a kind of blown in insulation called cellulose. Unfortunately, I don't have a picture of that basically ground up newspapers um so let's let's talk about that real quick because some because i get asked this question a lot you know i i talk about this with you know you know the people that i've helped with houses a lot because i'm always trying to you know stay in front of them and talk to them about different ways that they can you know be improving their home and you know saving money things that things that we talk about on this show and and you know i, I get asked what is cellulose what's the best type of insulation and there's really there's three different types that you can consider there's the fiberglass that we've already talked about there's cellulose, which, as you said, Greg, is ground up newspaper with fire retardant chemicals in it that unfortunately wear off after a period of time. And then there's spray foam insulation, which is some newer technology, but it also is some of the most most efficient and effective insulation that you can use as well. Correct. Correct. And that's what we have pictured here. Um, this there's no insulation on the floor of your attic. Right. It's all up in the rafters or up in the trusses. One of the main benefits of that, in my opinion, from a guy who's crawled around in attics trying to get to light fixtures and ceiling fixtures and whatever, you have no encumbrances on the floor now. And as you yep. said, you don't have 12 to 14 inches, or in your case, 24, because you went great gonzo, but um, <laughs> of this blown insulation to kind of wade through. This is way more energy efficient. It also serves as a vapor barrier. It's a little bit more expensive. Um but totally worth it. And in fact, I'm getting quotes next month to have, I have cellulose insulation in my house. It was built in 78. To get all the cellulose sucked out of the house, just like the blowing machine, but it works in reverse. And this installed my rafters. So I have unfettered well, access. 
Well, and the other cool part about that, Greg, is it's also going to give you another benefit in your attic, which is storage space again, right? Right. You're going to be able to use that attic for storage versus, you know, if you put a plywood down on top of insulation, now you've just restricted the amount of, you know, insulation benefit you have. So now you've got your full attic access back. Important to be mindful when you're, and I don't want to get off on a structural thing here, but just be mindful when you're storing stuff in your attic, not all attic ceiling joist, if it was stick framed, or bottom cord, the bottom horizontal portion of a truss, are designed to have what's called dead load over a certain amount, right? Uh, and that's Greg's official disclaimer for what what I just said. So. Right. Well, <laughs> it, here's the thing. I went into a house, built the same vintage mine is, 78, a ranch. Um, and I go into the garage, and there's a big sow belly in the ceiling. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what the hell is that? So when I get up to do the attic inspection, they had so much crap piled up in the attic above the garage that they started flexing the framing. The only solution at that point is to jack up that beam again and install a new beam. So I just want to make that super cheap. Yeah. Super cheap. Uh, About 4,500 bucks. Um, (laughs) The other thing I want to mention real quick about blown in insulation types, do not mix mediums. In other words, if you've got cellulose, stick with cellulose when you add insulation. If you got fiberglass, stick with fiberglass. There you go. There you go. So let's talk about some other ideas that, you know, exist out there as far as, you know, not only just saving money, but also maybe producing energy, Greg. Dude, this, this, this gets me all jacked up. I started to say charged up. Yeah, I probably should have. <laughs> um, but look, let's talk about solar. Uh, yep. In different parts of the com- country, there are different ways to produce wind or energy. There's wind, there's even home versions of hydroelectric, but solar is by far and away grown to be the most efficient in the most places right now. It started out for residential use in 1954. Um, Bell Labs, for you buffs out there, had the first viable solar panel for a house. And these are some old ones. Um, they weren't super efficient. They started becoming fairly popular or gaining popularity, I should say, in the 1970s during the oil embargoes and the energy crises that we went through back then. Um, the technology's come a long way in, in recent years, though. They used to be really complicated. I mean, look at those things. That, that's a solar panel graveyard, by the way, in mm-hmm. the picture. But I think one of the exciting things about solar now is, 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 is what goes along with it. One of the things that made solar not as viable in the past was the fact that, yes, you would produce this energy, but then you could... you. Like, what do you do with it? If your house isn't using, in, you know, all of that energy, do you sell it back? You know, do you sell it back to the you know, energy service provider or what do you do with it? Well, now what's changed so much in the last handful of years is the battery technology is yeah. now being able to store that energy to using your home later. And, you know, one of the things I've been learning a lot about is, is the new Tesla solar roof, you know, and it's so far advanced from what so many of the other systems are out there. But, but more importantly is it comes with this battery cell technology that depending on what, you know, what your average energy use is, maybe you need one, maybe you need two in your house, but ultimately it allows you to store that energy for a much, much longer period of time. And it's simply a more cost-effective way of doing this. Now, you know, you're going to spend about four times on a solar roof, you know, today than what an average asphalt shingle roof would. But the benefit of that is these things generally, again, there's so many variables that go into this and I'm learning more and more about this every day, but generally speaking, things like this are going to pay for themselves in about a nine to a 10, you know, 10 to 12 year period of time. And then in essence, you're living 
with no energy costs at that point because the technology it's it's so right there and as things continue to evolve the battery technology evolves the solar technology continues to evolve i strongly strongly feel over the next 10 years this is going to be a big big part of how people are you know you know powering their houses i really really feel that so it's going to be exciting to see how this continues to evolve over the next uh next three ten years or so well, and there's so much you said there. I want to I want to dissect a few pieces because th- this is awesome, and there's so much stuff to it. That picture we had up, that is the Tesla roof. Those are so and it's, for, for people watching. Those are solar panels and yeah. roofing, so you're not putting panels over the roofing. Um, you know, Elon Musk said at one point, "I'm not building cars." When he first started Tesla, I'm building batteries. It's kind of like yep. the old McDonald's thing. They're not a restaurant chain. They're a real estate company. Yep. Um, Tesla has figured out this battery technology that you're talking about. They've also figured out the solar panel technology. And so, and you do have the option. You can store it. You can send it back to the grid. And your electric company, like mine's Duke. Um, is it Duke now? Yeah, it's still Duke. They'll pay you for the electricity you're selling them. Um so much has changed and so much will continue to change. But again, by making your own energy, you're saving money and you're absolutely. Go sorry. ahead. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> no, I just got excited. So I'm ahead. on a, I'm on a roll. You and I have both been reading about this Tesla system, right? And other solar systems for quite a while now. Um, we talk about it and geek out when we're not on the air. I love showing this to people, but one thing I want to, encourage people you look at the price tag yeah it can be a bit daunting but there are grants and tax breaks and other incentives available if you want to install solar on your home yeah they they, they're there's substantial government programs out there and again this is going to vary depending on what part of the country you're in even county to county it varies a little bit here in indiana so it's definitely something you've got to got to do some homework on or if you have questions about it again reach out to gregor we are happy to this is something that we both geek out on and uh, would love to answer any questions that maybe you have about this and you know, for that, if you have any other questions in general, we'd love the opportunity to help. We certainly love engaging with everybody. That's why we do this show is provide practical, actionable takeaways and uh, ways that uh, help navigate through the real estate and home improvement process. So, Greg, is there anything else as we kind of wrap the show up today? Is there anything else that we really need to touch on to make sure that, you know, people are, are aware of all the different ways that they can potentially save money in their house, increase the energy efficiency, reduce their carbon footprint? Anything else that we haven't covered right now? Certainly there's others, but uh, we wanted to hit on some of the, you know, you know, most cost-effective and uh, emerging technologies for this episode. I got something cost-effective for you. How about free? Is that cost-effective enough? I appreciate free. All right. So here's what we got. It's called a home energy audit. You That's may it, ask, which, you may ask how ahead. you get one of those, Ryan. I was going to ask you, Greg, how do you go, go about getting a home energy audit? Tell Dude, me about that. That's such an awesome question. So, What you do is you call your local energy provider. They'll come out and do a home energy audit for free. Now, what that entails is thermal scans and some different stuff. They do what's called a blower door test, meaning they seal your house up and put a fan on, on the door, literally a big blower door. They put negative pressure in the house, and they see where air is leaking out. Um, And then they generate a report of what they found, and where you can save energy and things you can do. Some of the things are the things we have listed here today. Oh my gosh, Greg. And you know, the first time I saw one of these blower door tests, and if you've not seen one of these, I would encourage you, I mean, you know, call your energy company, have this done and just kind of be aware of it because, you know, so many times we're just not aware of things like this, right? Just like the lady that, 
you know, you talked about that had the 23 year old furnace that had never been cleaned in service, right? Well, she probably just had never been told to do that. And if she had, she forgot and didn't get a reminder. So a lot of times people are just not aware of this. It's small, small things like, you know, underneath your doors, you know, the, you know, the door, um, oh man, I lost the uh, word for it. The, uh, the door seal there. Yeah. You know, just adjusting that, you know, eliminating, you know, the airflow there. That was one of the most obvious ones that I saw on a house that was done. Again, this was an older house thing was built in 88 at the time, but you know, just underneath the doors, you mentioned around the windows, when you see that, that blower door test, and then you especially see, see the thermal images. I think that's so cool because you see the areas of either red or white on those images where heat is either, you know, where heat is definitely transferring from one place to another. So it's a, if nothing else, it's a cool ass thing to have done. So, excuse my language, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, you have to watch that when we go live here in a couple of weeks. Um, I know, right? So, that's what we got for today, guys. I don't want to. We don't want to bog you down with any more stuff. If you have questions about any of these technologies or action items that we talked about today, reach out to myself. Reach out to Ryan. We'd be happy to walk you through it to help you find solutions to help you find contractors to fix it. Right. That's it. That's what we're all about. Is help and make it easier for everybody listening and uh, just uh, make uh, a little more transparency with uh, the home buying, selling, and uh, ownership experiences. So for the latest edition of Blue Collar Real Estate, I am Ryan Hergett sitting here with Greg Mayo, and uh, we appreciate everybody's time. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks, everyone.